Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. In this episode, we finally get through the spiritual buffet issue, but of course, there's much more to talk about around that. We talk about the necessity of paradigmatic constructive criticism, the judgment of judgment, the relationship a soul has with a paradigm, what happens in enlightenment related to conditioning in a world of conditions, how organized religion twists itself into pretzels to maintain popularity, but moreover, the damage a person does to themselves when they pick and choose elements from incompatible paradigms and attempt to live by them. I'll remind you to listen to these podcasts from the beginning and in order, please. Thanks so much for listening. So we're back and we're going to finish or, well, we think we're going to finish. We don't really know. We're going to continue. We know we're going to do that. <laughs> we're going to continue the uh, spiritual buffet, paradigmatic buffet issue. And Stace, you wanted to um, talk about the level of intellectualism in the last couple episodes. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, we, you know, you and I have a lot of fun playing with um, frameworks. Uh yeah. And those are mostly mental body frameworks. And um, if, if you've been a listener and follow the last few uh, podcasts, um, you might get the idea here that identity is like completely head-centered. Yeah. And uh, it's actually the exact opposite. Um, and so the intellectualism that you might have been, um, uh, been filling the space in the last few podcasts, I just want to remind listeners that identity is an, an, emo, an emotive-based paradigm, not a mentalized-based paradigm. It has mental aspects to it that are quite profound and interesting and fun to talk about, as Joseph and I uh, do. But I want to remind us that, um, that uh, the representation of identity is um, emotive in its uh, picture because it defines the base ba uh, bandwidth of human consciousness is emotive, not willful, not mental, not physical, not even energetic. It's emotive. And if that is true, and so far after about 40 years of um, testing this paradigm and being tested by others also, uh, uh, that premise has held fast so far. But what that means is um, the, the basic teaching of identity is that it, it's our human consciousness is emotive in its core, in its essence, because the divinity within which we abide at all times and, and within us abides at all times is best best described with the very strange word we call love. And the love dynamic of divinity suffuses every moat moment of existence in no matter what dimension or direction you go. And since love is an emotive, um, dynamical bandwidth and best way we can describe love, um, we, we as children or whole on offspring, however you want to say it, uh, since we're constantly always inside of divinity, then we must also be made of love or at our core essence. And that translates humanistically 
to emotivity being the primary bandwidth of our being, not mentality, not willfulness, and not uh, certainly not physicalness. So um, that even uh, is deeper than energy. We've talked about energy, the difference between energy and love uh, before. We might talk about it again here uh, soon. But I just wanted to remind listeners that um, uh, not, not to be um, – when we when we play with frameworks and mentalized pictures, uh, we can also get a little sardonic and uh, pejorative, uh, but that's not so much judgment as it is discernment. Mm-hmm. Discernment, <laughs> and discernment can be fun. Is um, uh, one last point about that is that before we begin, is a discernment only becomes a judgment when you withdraw love from that which you just discerned. If you don't withdraw love from your discernment or your observation, it's not judgment. It's simply, oh, look at how these can coexist. Innocence on one side and uh, 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 confusion in the middle or downright dark uh, on the outcome. That whole chain is, 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 is within a picture of non-judgment. So when we as we will today, I'm probably uh, find some pejorative um, uh, bandwidth to talk about uh, uh, paradigm uh, cherry pickers. Remember that it's all in the um, in the framework of discernment, not judgment, and not superiority. Mm-hmm. And so, please try to put an and between those two, even though we don't have many good role models for an and between biting incisive discernment and judgment. We don't have many good examples that that there can be an innocent um, innocentness to that discernment and not a judgment. Yeah, it's it's I'm glad you brought this up, Stace, because it's a very tricky topic of um, you know, we have that expression, uh, light a candle rather than cursing the darkness. Right. And it seems very clear that one needs to do both because in the presentation of anything, much less a new paradigm like yours, if mm-hmm. you don't compare and contrast, you fail to identify. Yes. You know, this is an apple. It's mm-hmm. not as tart as an orange. Well, well, you're running down oranges. No, no, no. I'm trying to describe <laughs> an apple using yeah. something you already have an experience of. Well, exactly. don't do that. Just tell me what the apple is like. Well, then I will do a, a worse job describing the apple. Yes, you know, it, it, you you know, it's 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 inevitable that you you have to um, compare and contrast. Like, well, uh, what's an eighteen-year-old like compared to a twelve-year-old? Mm-hmm. You're going to end up running down the twelve-year-old. You know, yeah. anytime you compare, it creates mm-hmm. a hierarchy, and uh, it's unavoidable. And so, um, we we do our best, and and like we said before, it's it's hard sometimes not to chuckle at um, mm-hmm. uh, contradictions and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it's just hard, but um, I don't know what I want to say about this. It's 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 hard. It also because of our cultural conditioning about judgment that judgment is bad, which as you've pointed out is a judgment of judgment. So poof, yes. there goes that. Um, <laughs> yes. I was I was just listening to uh, Adam Carolla this morning. who was talking about that about how. Um, the the lack of the judgment of judgment. He didn't put it that way, but that since judgment has become bad, everyone's mm-hmm. on their worst behavior, and it's leading to narcissism and people wearing their pajamas at the airport and entitlement <laughs> in kids, and that's yes. where that has brought us. Yes. Um, so the conditioning is you're not supposed to say 
I mean, it goes all the way back to some people's childhood conditioning. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. Well, where the hell did that come from? You know, yeah. Martin Luther King, uh, JFK, Yeshua the Nazarene, Muhammad. Mm-hmm. These people said bad things about what was going on. The Buddha, yes. they weren't just pro something. They were against something also. Yes. So when people get itchy about, oh, well, you're saying something against thing, I would say, well, so? Like, that's how change works. There has to be a yes and a no both. Uh, well, really well put. Thanks for that uh that framework, because uh, if I had a, a dollar growing up uh, in, in the Catholic religion, every time the priest on the pulpit on Sunday condemned uh, uh, um, uh, sexual uh, um, uh, um, casualness or wearing latex on your lingam uh, or or, or 9,000 other things. It's uh, in the Bible, right? You're not supposed to put latex there, I think. It's in the Bible. Yeah. I, 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 boy, it's amazing <laughs> that they had um, awareness of how to synthesize uh, latex at that time, yes. isn't it? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, the, the, our conditioning, uh, I've, I've had this conversation probably uh, 200, 300 times over the years um, that you, especially when you bring out a new paradigm, you must compare and contrast, or there's nothing to say about it. If I start talking about it, that you have no referent in your experience. And if if, if, every, if we weren't conditioned, malconditioned so badly, yeah. especially in this domain of divinity and humanity, and where they don't meet uh, in our world, um, uh, uh, if you if you don't have that clarity. Uh, if they, that malconditioning wasn't there, you could talk more about the apple without contrasting with the orange or the pineapple. Um, but you can't when you were battling, um, in this case, 5,000 years of spiritual guidance, uh, about 3,000 years of philosophical guidance, and about 140 years of psychological guidance. Identity challenges all of those uh, in almost every direction. And so we're, we're dealing with literally five, five, about 5,000 years of conditioning in ways that have taken us farther away from our soul centers than toward it. And that leads to, um, well, if we're okay describing apples in terms of oranges and describing the Matrix 3 versus the first Matrix movie, and all of these comparisons we're all okay with, this plumber versus that plumber, this computer versus that computer, we're all okay. But when it comes to value systems or spiritualities, oh. or suddenly it's not okay. So then the question is why? Because you're, yeah. you have to defend your value system because yeah. it's so weak and incoherent. That's the only yeah. reason. Yeah, you wouldn't have to. Def- you wouldn't have to um, defend if you were actually sure of the sobriety of your exactly. paradigm. You would never feel criticized. Yeah. If uh, when Ayn Rand, someone uh, said uh, she's going to the seventh uh, level of hell for for um, teaching um, uh, there is no God, she looked. I saw this, and she said she said to the Christian apparently who accosted her with this. She said, "Well, you should be happy." You should be happy that I'm going to hell by your own your own worldview. I'm going to hell and I'm going to suffer for it. Why are you Why are you so angry with me? You should be dancing on the on the rooftop and uh, in, in glee. And, or if you were really a follower of your particular prophet, why aren't you praying for me? 
instead of mocking me or compassionately trying to help or something. Oh yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean, even Ayn Rand uh, knew about malconditioning and judgment and uh, she was bringing um, an anti-original sin based atheism that uh, gave ego actually a space to exist, even as confused as she was about things. So, and if, okay, I just have to say, Ayn Rand has a horrible reputation in the world because she's so largely misunderstood and co-opted yes. by greedy right. Republicans using it to justify their behavior. We're going to have to do a whole, well, I don't know. Wait, wait, but you got don't forget, Christian Republicans. Yes. Who, yeah. <laughs> who, have, who have kidnapped her message, yes. even though she's atheistic. You're an trying atheist. to combine, and there's maybe that's a segue into <laughs> paradigmatic uh, buffetism because there's a great example of it. So it's like, hmm, the yeah. help the poor altruistic Christianity combined <laughs> with Ayn Rand selfistness, self interestness. Yeah, right. uh, you put right. those together and you get someone who is very confused and treats people quite badly. That's a great segue. So let's 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 go in with that. Since we've just okay. been talking about paradigms, um, and one phrase I don't think I used in our our definition of paradigms as we've been exploring what they are, Joseph, is the fact that uh, paradigms. We talked about how necessary they were, but another way to say that is that paradigms are the digestive enzymes of our consciousness as we eat experience. Wow, I never heard you say that. Cool. Yeah. Digestive it's, enzymes. The, the yeah, governing it, like the governing dynamic by which we digest reality. Exactly right. Oh, that's even better. Save that for yourself there and uh, <laughs> own that one. But uh, it's important because we're every moment we are conscious we're eating experience. Yeah. And yeah. without a paradigm or a worldview based on certain sets of assumptions and, and all sorts of value systems. And uh, uh, we're not going to be able to orient to all the experience we're eating every moment. So if you see, uh, uh, if you understand paradigms as the digestive enzymes of the way we process reality, uh, um, uh, you, you can understand better what, why paradigms are inescapable and necessary. Uh, and that's where we can um, uh, lift well, off here. But even digesting if you pardon the redundancy there digesting that idea of that our paradigms uh, are how we're digesting reality causes it would you'd have to a person to take that in would have to accept that they're distorting reality that they're not experiencing reality purely as it is that's 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 something that's a premise you have to accept before you can accept uh that that paradigmatic um assertion, yeah, which is, I think, the primary thing. Like people say, well, I see this and I observe that and I think that and that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, no, there's a, 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 a mechanism in there, like we talked about last time, mm -hmm. where that goes duh, 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 nine times that goes from your general mm -hmm. assumption about the cosmology and cosmogen cosmogony of the universe that you may not even be aware of that then flows <laughs> all the way down to that's good or bad, and this is what I need to do about it. Yes. And yes. That takes a lot of self-awareness and willingness to look for people to be able to do. And that's not so plentiful in our troubled world right now. And that's and a also, function of consciousness, not intelligence. Exactly right. CQ is different than IQ. 
Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more, I think, here today. But the, what we just said, though, such a beautiful example, um, the converse or inverse, I always get those two. I'm a little dyslexic, so I can't remember. Um, but it's also true that when non-dualists, enlightened non-dualists, claim they're beyond all paradigms, <laughs> because what they say is paradigms are men mentalized, they'd say that. Um, and the mental body or is where the eye is falsely constructed. When you lose the eye, you lose any paradigmatic distortions and see reality, experience reality most purely. And that's why um, even though they've got um, uh, uh, eightfold path and three um, uh, essence of existence, the three, what did you call Anatta? Four noble truths. There's many four lists. noble truths. Um, those, that's a paradigm there. Uh, as soon as you have an assumption and a value system. Um, but they say they're beyond it when they enlighten. Uh, and that would be true uh, if the only I resided in the mental body. If you transcend the I in the mental body, um, you are beyond paradigms. Um, <laughs> but they, that's a very unsophisticated axial age religious or spiritual point of view because there's a lot more going on in the mental body than just the eye and the focus on the eye. It's collating experience according to its prior uh, experience. So no one ever lives in the present they always live in the past trying to create a new future because everything that they if you if you say someone shows you a toy that looks like a yo-yo you say oh is that of a kind of a yo-yo instead of seeing that new toy completely with a, no framework around it you see so this gets when we talk about non-duality and enlightenment which is the next series uh, soon coming uh, we'll talk more about this but it's the same error uh, uh, either you, you have to be either hyper aware of your that you have a paradigm or on the other side of the universe, when I don't have a paradigm at all, both those extremes um, are equivalently distortive. Uh, and, so wait, and I want to make sure create, I want to make sure yeah. I get this. You're saying that the the soul level I still exists inside a paradigm or operates with a paradigm. Effortlessly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because it's experience and everything's learning. Uh, and we learn, as we'll get to in a moment here, which kind of paradigmatic is pro-soul I and which kind of paradigm is anti-soul I. So in other words, in, in non-dual traditions, they hold it that the, you can arrive at a non-conditioned I and then be that. And that that's actually the goal. Yes. Right? And identity would say there's no such thing as a non-conditioned I. You can be meta to your conditioning, but yes. the, that pure, true soul I is subject to conditioning and that it's unavoidable. Absolutely. Uh, identity offers uh, that we can, what, what really happens in enlightenment is that a person, a person is reconditioned from slavery to dualism, reconditioned to a, a, a liberation from the slavery to dualism. Those are both very conditionally shaped spaces. One is smaller than the other. One is slavery. The other is liberation on the meta. But uh, we, can, we can go meta-conditioning uh, 
but we will always fall back to that metaconditioning. A metaconditioned moment will become a reconditioned moment. And now you're more, you have more consciousness oxygen uh, after that happens. See? So you're meta to your conditioning, but not devoid of it, as it's evidenced by, you know, you have a preference chocolate versus vanilla. Sure. And so the traditional enlightened person would say, um, well, that's just an arising preference in the moment. It actually has nothing to do with me because I, on some essential level, don't prefer vanilla or chocolate. It's just in this moment, vanilla yes. seems more appealing, but it's not me. Yes. And we would say, uh-uh, no, somewhere <laughs> in there that's coming from you or related to you. Yeah, that's exactly accurate. That's well said. Um, but this is the world of conditions. Uh, everything is conditionable, even yeah. consciousness. And, and I can completely personally attest personally, which would show up in Glow Orange for a uh, non-dual enlightened person. You'd be dismissed uh, as, as... Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to say that up front. You know, mm -hmm. I can personally attest that uh, going meta to the slavery to dualism changed my life irrevocably. And, and just like they claim enlightenment changes your life irrev irrevocably, but identity would offer <laughs> that change is irrevocable change um, is, uh, is a completely, got completely different um, consciousness bandwidths to it than what, is, what we've been offered by far Eastern esotericism for so long. Well, we've, come, we've gone down the rabbit hole of uh, we're being drawn <laughs> into uh, uh, enlightenment stuff. Um, yeah. And like, like Stay says, that's going to be in a series coming soon. So that may be over some people's heads because we're assuming quite a lot of understanding of that. But some people who've had experience in those paradigms may uh, be sure. following it. I think we, we better make it uh, talk about the paradigmatic uh, buffet things in more broad terms if we're going to do justice by this probably, right? Sure. Well, it's actually segues very, very easily because if you can't escape paradigms, yeah, now we're, right. we're, our faces put right in, uh, in uh, the forefront here of what we, what, what, what we do with paradigms. Oh, I want to say one more thing before we go there, and I, I see what you mean. Yeah, it is a really good segue. The way I always thought about it was, um, and what I've heard you teach before is, when someone enlightens, okay, they're, they may be free of um, some mental body paradigmatic construct, but they used a paradigm to get to that place. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's another way in which they're inside a paradigm because, you know, it's, sure. if you look at a map to get you from A to B, and you use the map to get you to B, and you arrive at B and go, ha ha, I need no map anymore because I'm, I've am i arrived, the map is useless. Well, now it is because you used the map to get there. <laughs> you, would, you wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the paradigmatic map. So right. you can't escape paradigm. Well, that's a great way to, to say that, Joseph, because the just because you don't need the map after you get the destination doesn't mean the destination isn't 100% linked to the map that got you there. And this right. is what frustrates me about, like, for example, Eckhart Tolle describes his uh, awakening experience in the beginning of The Power of Now, I think. He was in this deep despair, depression, and he heard a voice, and then he was like, wait, who's that talking? And then he had this awakening experience, and mm -hmm. now he teaches how to, how to get people to that place, and he has no idea how he got to that place. It just yeah. happened to him. <laughs> so yeah, no causation. Even, yeah. yeah. There's no causation in classical non-duality. There's no causation. It visits you unmindfully. 
Um, uh, uh, so well, what yeah, I was I, taught when I was in my Zen phase by my Zen coach was enlightenment is an accident. Um, you can't make it happen. You can just make yourself accident prone, mm -hmm. which by the way, is a paradigm. That's a feature yes. of a paradigm right there. There's no escaping that. So, you know, you don't sit on the couch and watch NASCAR and drink beer out of cans, <laughs> but you don't F, you know, willfully meditate 15 hours a day either. You have to find no. some, something in between so sure. that it can find you, but that's still yeah. a thing to do. Unless, of course, uh, you're a, um, a fan of the Maharishi and you think that learning to, to uh, levitate is uh, you're on your way to enlightenment, uh, the hopping thing, you know. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's another whole thing. So there, see there, there's some pejorative right there. Um, <laughs> and it's discerning. Uh, I know many people, really good people who got hoodwinked by the Maharishi. Um, mm -hmm. And where did all the money go when the thing collapsed? Uh, it was very interesting how that all happened. But uh, uh, 15 hour meditative marathons, uh, all you do is teach people to stay at a certain plateau, unless you unless you drop koan bombs in that in that 15 hours now and then mm -hmm. so the point being here is that what do we do with paradigms paradigms joseph We're, they're inescapable that we've made the argument for that you don't have to believe it this is just identity's point of view and we don't hold identity as a, in any absolute truth we're just waiting for it to be displaced by a deeper more con incisive paradigm sure. yeah. um, that's all we we hold it with so um uh what, what what we want to talk about today is the buffet-style New Ager, um, who um, there's 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 all, most religionism is based on one paradigmism. Uh, Christianity has a paradigm uh, governing its dogma. Uh, Islam, uh, Judaism, um, uh, Jainism, whatever. Most religionism, uh, they they all have um, a picture of uh, what of what is the truth. And so most old-time religions from the axial age are based on one paradigmism. Uh, and, and that um, is offered to any person with a reasonable amount of IQ and a, even a minimum, minimum CQ, consciousness quotient, that there has been as much harm done by one paradigm paradigms uh, in history as good has been done. It's not all been evil and dark, but sure. the inquisitions and the uh, genocides and the uh, the judgments from rabid religionists who hold their one paradigm is the only way to go. Um, most of the old religions and conditioning we have to get away from is religions that just say one paradigm. Um, it doesn't doesn't really sell itself very well uh, as a humane, uh, a soul based or God based um, orientation. When you can, you have a, you have a, a paradigmatic elements that say I'm I'm going to paradise if I murder the infidel. I mean, uh, this is not based in love. This is not based in divinity. It's all aberration, all aberration. So what's come to the modern day here is that um, uh, a lot of people say, well. Whatever the truth is, it's too big to fit into one paradigm. It's too big. Um, I'm going to cherry pick or uh, buffet, buffet style. I'm going to pick and choose um, that uh, what I what I believe, and I'll make my own paradigm. Well, we've got to take a step back here. There are two ways you buffet buffet paradigms or relate to it in a buffet style. Uh, a lot of um, uh, religionists. Um, 
which we identity would call intra-paradigmatic uh, buffeters. They pick and choose which elements in the paradigm that oh. they they believe in and which yes. ones not. Right. Uh, um, we talked a little it, bit about before about the incoherency yeah, of that. I like to say it, exactly. sometimes like. You know, um, we talked about like, well, if you don't literally believe in the truth of Adam and Eve, then technically you're not a Catholic. Because if you think like Ayn Rand would paradigmatically, the whole thing falls apart. I would say yeah. sometimes like that's like believing in chlorine, but not boron. Like you can't do that <laughs> the, because yeah. the, the thinking is they're all inextricably yeah. tied. You can't accept hydrogen and not helium. The model yes. identifies oh. both of those things. Great metaphor, great metaphor, yeah. Um, so if you don't actually believe um, the wine changes to Jesus's blood and the and the bread changes to Jesus's body, even though um, the chemistry uh, shows they are identical before and after the Abba Dabba <laughs> uh, up on the altar, which I, I actually use this metaphor and I had someone once uh, raise up and say, but that's just like the dinosaur fossils. God put them there to test us, our faith, and the, that the chemistry didn't change. God reaches down and changed our chemical uh, stuff so that we would have to believe it, and so science couldn't prove it. I mean, talk about a paradigmatic um, uh, attachment, uh, you could say. And there's a little uh, sidebar about um, why I've heard you say so many times, and I had to learn this the hard way myself, why you won't debate paradigms. Yeah, because anyone who really can think paradigmatically can see like all paradigms will make sense um, intra somethingly intra yes uh, internally the, internally yeah. yeah they they create these perfect circles uh, Descartes yep. did it and Freud did mm -hmm. it they create a, a model if it's decent at all it will be able uh -huh. to explain a lot and sure. that's why there's no point in debating paradigms because if the thing has any power at all you could be used to oh well that's how that's god testing us oh, okay great sure um, yeah and 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 this is why all paradigms are equal in one way if they are internally coherent yeah if they've got to be internally coherent there are there are Huge. There are many examples of of one paradigms, Catholicism or Islam. Uh, the the words of love from Muhammad about love and, and and gentleness and obedience to Allah. I'm sorry, that just doesn't. Um, that completely contradicts um, murder of the infidel. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and and so you, you to have any sort of respect a paradigm has to be internally coherent. It can't contradict itself. And so this is what leads right into paradigm, intra-paradigmatic um, uh, pilfering, I call it. As, uh, we, well, we, we, I don't, I'm, I'm a good, I'm a good uh, Mohammedan. I, I, don't, I don't buy into that radical stuff, um, uh, but I'm still, uh, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm Islamic. I, 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 I believe in Allah, uh, but I don't want to buy, I don't buy into that. Um, but again, as you say, there are interpretations of the Quran that um, could lead people to infer that if they have a certain filter in their consciousness that that the justification of of murder uh, in the name of Allah. Uh, so the point being here is that that either you can't call yourself a Catholic if you don't believe the wine is still wine after the priest blesses it and the bread is still bread. You can't be a Catholic, and yet Catholics do this 
nine, you know, all over the place. They won't admit it many times, but they just pick and choose which elements they like. Well, yeah, evil's got to come from somewhere, so it's got to be a Satan, right? Because uh, humans just aren't aren't that mean, right? And even uh, more common, I think, in uh, in is Judaism, the kind of Reform Judaism well, I grew up yeah. in. It's like mm-hmm. I don't know, I've read forty, fifty, sixty percent of of quote Jews don't actually believe in God, even. Yeah, right. And uh, that is, you know. Not only is it the effect on the individual, but the effect on the children. Like, I remember being forced to go to Hebrew school and being quite angry about it because I could sense the lack of integrity. You know, it was like these people, my parents and many of these people, they're not actually living this. And yet I'm supposed to go through these motions. It made me crazy. You know, and it comes to mind, Joseph, uh, that that, uh, reminds me of how Hasidic uh, Judaism actually would agree with what we're talking about right yeah. now. You can't pick and choose, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, Williamsburg, the community in New York there, near in New York, Williamsburg, mm-hmm. um, every element, every second of every day is adjudicated vis-a-vis the, the, um, uh, the Torah. And uh, this means women stay in the kitchen. They don't, they, they, the man is in charge of the house. Um, uh, everything about everyday life is adjudicated by the Torah. You can't pick and choose. Well, I believe this and I don't believe that. So that's the other side of the coin of, of atheistic uh, um, uh, 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 Judaists. Um, uh, so, but in this case, <laughs> uh, the one paradigmism one paradigm point of view that where you can't cherry pick the elements you like or don't like in itself um, is um, uh, uh, what, what's the word an anachronistic uh, atavistic um, and, and completely out ad, isn't atavistic the same as anachron, anachronistic I don't know, I don't know atavistic. I, th- I think so okay. at any rate um, uh, that's easily all you have to do is um, use your the your the, your tongue um, of taste uh, when you're exploring a paradigm, you trust your tongue. It, it will tell you, oh, what is wrong with this? Where women are subjugated still, uh, and men run everything, uh, uh, and because God, uh, women can't get to God except th- to uh, Jehovah, except through the man and the man's uh, standing with uh, with God. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a case of. Sometimes the judgment or discernment of a paradigm is based on <laughs> your consciousness tongue, not your consciousness brain. Uh, you and sense I see it. these organized religions will make these like small changes to kind of like get with the times. Like um, in Catholicism, women can be priests now, right? No, no, still no. not. No, still not. Wow, but Protestants have a they lingam. can. Gotta have a lingam. Uh-huh. Uh, or it's no dice for you, sister. Wow, that's uh, amazing. Best you can be, you can be a female deacon and assist the priest at mass. But you, you if you're in all the way as an employee of Vatican Inc., uh, you are going to be a nun. That is about it. That's as far as you can go. But I think of like, but the church has said some stuff about um, gay people in the last ten years or something, where they're sort of like trying mm-hmm. to widen the net to appeal to more people without running into a paradigmatic train wreck and contradicting themselves in the past. It's really, every time there's a new release, it's quite entertaining to see how are they, like, I wish I could be in the meetings where they're like, okay, how are we going to present this? Well, we can't say that it's okay to be gay, 
because that's too unpopular. And, and, and so they're presenting some message that um, reduces the rigor of their paradigm without showing um, inconsistency, trying to right. appeal to more people so that they can cherry pick in a way that's favorable to them. I mean, it's, it's political. It's, it's like a business. <laughs> you just remind me, uh, brilliant, br brilliantly outlined there. That was really wonderful how you patched that together seamlessly. That was great, Joseph. Uh, reminds me, though, of our, I think it was three popes ago, two popes ago, who blamed um, the, um, the uh, pedophilia uh, rampant in the Catholic universe, um, uh, blamed it on the 60s. Uh, <laughs> that uh, This was a quote, he said, he said, the, the Dower guy, the guy who never had a smile on his face. Uh, the German uh, guy? The, um, one, the one Before Francis and before that, that one, uh -huh. the two back. Uh, and uh, the, that was that, the, the profli profligality of uh, sexual freedom in the 60s caused all this, uh, this pedophilia. So in um, other words, their paradigm is so weak that the cultural revolution at the time infiltrated the holiness of the church and that, people that's were led a, that's astray. A paradigm, that's a paradigm buster right there. <laughs> exactly. Right? But I'd like to remind um, that Pope, he's, I think he's still alive, um, you, you, you're supposed to know the dogmatic historical narrative of the religion better than anyone in the whole church, Right. So I'd like, I would like, to, if I ever had a chance to talk to him, which I won't, um, uh, I'd like to invite him to tell me why, why did they, tell me again why they built all those thousands of orphanages in the Middle Ages to house children where, because priests and nuns got together surreptitiously sexually and created babies. Uh -huh. You know about these orphanages. They are notorious in, in the Catholic Church's narratives. Those happened way before the 60s. Yeah, they predated the hippies by, you know, like, what, a thousand I mean, years or something. I mean, again, you, there are sometimes I weep about this, sometimes I laugh mm -hmm. about this. Um, these are just obvious contradictions that you don't need a lot of IQs to um, mm -hmm. get the ramifications of, right? Well, then what's the alter The alternative is they have to look at how the pedophilia is created by their own paradigm. Through exactly the repression right. of sexuality. So they have to come up with something that externalizes the cause, excuses it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another whole topic right there. So, but so what we're talking about here is pick and choose um, uh, inside a paradigm is, 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 is um, strategic and uh, um, shows anyone who inside of one paradigm picks and chooses which elements they want and or not to be uh, not a real, they, sh they shouldn't call them. It's like, it's like uh, Tibetan Buddhism should be called Hindu, Hind Hinduism, uh, because it's half Hindu and half uh, Buddhistic. Uh, you, you can't call yourself um, a Buddhism if you don't follow the, the teachings of the Buddha. Uh, you can't, you can't um, be a Catholic if you don't believe Catholic dogma. Uh, my father, uh, personally, my experience with this is a, uh, he 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 was a paradigmatic um, uh, cherry picker because uh, after four children and a very difficult um, uh, uh, income challenge, uh, he didn't have a solid uh, job as a like in a fat, working in a factory or something. He was a salesman. 
um, after four kids, uh, he could not uh, afford another child. Two were um, accidents and two were intended. Uh, and uh, so he started wearing um, uh, um, some latex around his lingam uh, and went and confessed that in the, in, to the conf- in, on Saturday night before Sunday's Mass, of course. And the priest told him that he was living in a state somewhere between a venial and a mortal sin. At that time, they called them that. Mm-hmm. And that he and his penalty was if he was going to continue using that, he could no longer receive the body of Christ. He couldn't go to communion anymore. Wow. So uh, my father was, of course, died in the wool Irish Catholic, uh, and uh, this devastated him. Uh, but he stayed being a Catholic, stayed using a latex on his lingam, and picked and chose to stay being and calling himself a Catholic, even and, though he was breaking the rules directly. And continued to receive the cookies. Uh, no. No, he didn't no, do that. He was way too integrous. Oh, the priest told him. him, the man in black said, you cannot do this. Uh-huh. If, you take, if you take communion, then for sure you're in mortal sin neighborhood. See? Uh, so you, then you'll go to, if you die in mortal sin, you go to hell. Uh, oh, I that, see. That was the uh-huh. teaching. So, no, he stopped going to communion. It broke his heart. Um, a sweet man that he was uh, because he, he really uh, bought, he really drank the Kool-Aid of Catholicism, right? Mm-hmm. So, there's a good example of right directly in my own home where even at age 14 or so, 15, when this happened to me, what, is, what smells about this? What's wrong with this picture? You know? Mm-hmm. So that pretty much takes uh, care of uh, identity's excoriation of paradigm uh, buffeters <laughs> well, inside of one paradigm. Inside of one, okay, yes. Yeah, inside of one. But there's another kind, interparadigmatic pilferers, which is in the modern day, uh, the, the default uh, one nowadays, for those who are no longer identify as a, as, as a Judaist, a Catholicist, a um, uh, a, uh, a, uh, any of the five religions, whatever, um, what they think is that the truth is so big, it can't fit into one paradigm. So we're just going to cherry pick elements from different paradigms and put my spiritual lifestyle, build my spiritual lifestyle based on that. Empowered so by the freedom of religion, we should add. A- absolutely. Um, and here we'll have um, the might take a prayer uh, from uh, Christianity, a meditation from Buddhism, uh, yoga from uh, Hinduism. And, and I, uh, I want to add something here. Um, we didn't say before the, the about collectivism, how it's completely understandable how this was not possible when the species survival was still largely threatened because uh, having a homogenous belief system is in a way to bring a community together. So in, you know, 400 AD or whatever, you didn't have a freedom of, you didn't even think about it. You were grew up right. Catholic or whatever it was, and that's what you were. There, you would not question that. And that's what made you, you know, part of your clan, whether you were a, you know, um, Amazonian tribesman or, you know, in the sub-Saharan Africa or in Europe, you were what you were. And mm-hmm. that was necessary for the species to survive because it would be too much heter- heterogeneity for people to get along. Uh, and now there were no melting pot societies in the past, and that's very right. much Renaissance, um, you know, and sure. forward. So mm-hmm. now we have these melting pot societies where you can travel and you know go nine thousand miles in half a day, and people can be from everywhere, and that creates this heterogeneity, uh, and that's what has enabled uh, and the communication, the internet, and telephones, and all that allows people sure. to have different ideas. 
Yeah, good point. Uh, now we have the freedom to pick and choose from different paradigms without being called a heretic and executed. Uh, yeah. Is the net effect of what you <laughs> right, just said, Exactly. Right? That's what would happen to you, right? Right. So these paradigmatic buffeters um, uh, shop for uh, paradigmatic elements like buying furniture at IKEA. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> they'll, take, they'll take prayer from Christianity. They'll take, um, like I said, meditation from Buddhism, uh, yoga from uh, uh, Hinduism, and uh, Xanax from their gym age uh, uh, um, psychoanalytic doctors. So, um, and if you think about it for a moment, <laughs> that combination, uh, prayer, prayer, meditation, uh, yoga, and uh, Xanax uh, defines a, a very large percentage of the population in Southern yeah. California. <laughs> if you could like put that into a bunch of drop down fields and then search like show me all the people doing this, you'd get you know yeah. probably a million people in the United States. Yeah. Right, and so so this this buffet style um, stuff is is hot and new age. We have the freedom for it, like you said, mm -hmm. but the newer now age people just pride themselves like crazy on this. Is they and, and what identity offers is. Um, <laughs> Reasonable motive, reasonable motive, but what what a, what identity would like to offer is going on off the radar screen of their consciousness is that each of those elements that they pick came off different trees, mm. and those trees had different nutrient capacities, different seasons that they um, that they ripened their fruit with. And when you try to put um, uh, um, uh, a vegetable, a fruit, a piece of meat. And, um, and put it uh, in a blender. And, yeah, and put <laughs> it in a blender. <laughs> it's not going to taste very good, and it's mm -hmm. not going to be very nutritious because there's going to be out, out, out balancings. In other words, mm -hmm. the point is, every paradigmatic element, like prayer, prayer is based on the fact that you're a real soul, there's a real God, and you can have a relationship. Meditation says there is no, isn't a paradigm that says there is no God. Well, that there depends is, on the form of meditation, which is a whole well, other thing. Yeah. The true we talk about meditation. We talk about Vipassana, well, okay. is what I mean by that. Um, yeah, you, of course you're right, which we would call, I would call a lot of what goes on out there non vipassanic as, as contemplation, not, not meditation. Or not even, you know, Ajashanti, some, I've heard him call it, like, it, it's concentration. You know, if you're just like yeah. focusing on your breath and it doesn't go any further than that, it's not even right. contemplation. Right, it's some sort of shun, T-I-O-N at the end, right? Uh -huh. uh, so um, that there are energies associated with each of those elements, prayer, meditation, yoga, and Xanax, that have, will create turbulence in the soul field of someone who does this kind of paradigmatic cherry picking, um, which is why in this case example, why they need the Xanax, because put, mixing those three together is going to create a very dissonant uh, element to their soul field, uh, even though it all makes sense in their head, um, because they can decide whatever they want to decide. But when you cherry pick different elements of a paradigm, um, you you um, create a turbulence in your soul field that is going to be dead-ending you at some limit. It may give you a little more experience of what Buddhism is about and, you know, what for a Buddhist, what a Christianity is about. That's all fine for information, but the, you're going to pay a price 
and I've seen this over and over and again in people's soul fields, this confusion and turbulence that gets them one moment, they'll say one thing and it contradicts something yeah. they said two seconds before. And it's a, it's a big mishmash. That's a good description of it, turbulence. Um, turbulence, yeah. This is because it's a very tricky thing to capture with words because I just starting to hear voices, you know, it's like pulling out of the collective unconscious, like, well, what's the problem? You know, we're taking the best from all the different places and by using different paradigms, we can arrive at some greater truth because everything has truth in it and we can pull those truths out sort of like an anthropologist and find the universalities in it. And right. it's, it's very hard. You can't really put your finger on what that does to someone, yes. but turbulence and confusion is what I experience in those people. Uh, even though I don't think they consciously experience it no. themselves. No, no, most, most, most of them don't. Um, they'd have to become two or three more levels self-aware to start being able to track their own turbulence in that way. Because they're in a strategy of shoring up. So wherever there's a limit, it's like they dead end, but they don't realize they dead end. And then they go, oh, okay, I'll take some Xanax. Oh, the Xanax has some side effects. Oh, well, I'll change my diet to offset that. Oh, the diet. Okay, well, I'll try this thing. I'll learn the Enneagram. I'll, I'll try this other form of meditation. And so there's a part yeah. of them that is always like one more thing, one more thing, like trying to put it together like a jigsaw puzzle that never has all the pieces. But they can it's, place one more somehow, but it never is complete. Yeah, it's Frankensteinian. Yeah, you know, uh, really, and that's an apt metaphor. And you get a walking kind of zombie um, thing while you think you're doing the best. So it's yeah. the there's no argument about the motivation is reasonable, especially if you if they have a little more CQ uh, to them in Southern California. That's a little hard to find. Um, but uh, when they have more CQ, they might say, well, look at the havoc one paradigmism has done yes. to the world, right? And this is completely reasonable. But identity steps in and says, wait, wait one second, can't argue with that. But wait, there's, it's a little more subtle than that. It's not the one paradigmism that causes all the havoc. It's the way they relate as absolute truth to the paradigm that causes one paradigmism to be so destructive. It's the absolute truth one that brings all the havoc, that has no liberality, no, uh, uh, they, are, they are not our clan. Uh, each religion is a tribe, right? And so um, uh, uh, the born-again Christian politicos in the U.S., the enemy tribe is the Islamic uh, Islam, um, and uh, we're different tribes and we must war on each other. Um, these, this kind of, of, um, of, of element where, where we've lost sight of, it's not one paradigmism is not the problem. Absolute truth associated with the one paradigm is the problem. Yeah, it's not in and content, in fact, it's in context. It's in context. And, and I, I've met new age paradigm buffeters who hold theirs as absolute truth. This is, this is what works for me. And so that's what I'm sticking with. They don't say until it doesn't work anymore, because by then they've got ego investment into their picture and it's non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen absolutists even be in paradigm uh, uh, pilferers, inter-paradigm inter pilferers uh, can, can adjust to that. Yeah, there's, this maybe is a, a good place. There's this scene in The Devil Wears Prada. Have you seen it? Yes. Um, uh -huh. There's a scene in, the, in that movie that, 
brings tears to my eyes in this really strange way. And it's when Anne Hathaway's character is chuckles about the choice between these two different belts when, um, oh, what, what, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I remember, remember that, that scene. Yes. Go ahead. And, Go ahead. And, uh, I wish yeah, I had it right. written down here, but the, I've, I've watched it so many times and, um, and uh, Meryl Streep's character just tears her into pieces and says, look at you with this lumpy blue sweater that you're wearing. You know, you think that you chose that, but what you don't realize is that sweater is cerulean and that then, you know, three years ago, this designer released this cerulean collection and then then these other people copied it and then this happened and then it trickled down in the department stores and then into, you know, Target and Walmart or wherever you bought that thing. And so you think, you made that choice, but I get chills even talking about this, but actually that color was chosen for you and you have yeah. no idea. And right. that's what I always think of when I think of paradigms. So like with the new age spirituality, people say things like, just let it go or something. And I wanna say, do you know the origin of that premise? Do you know what that's connected to? Do you know the picture of reality that that's related <laughs> to? Do you right. know that's a 2,500 year old idea and what it actually meant then? Right. You're right. buying the Walmart version of that that's been stepped oh. on like bad Coke 10 mm. times over. Mm -hmm. And and then you're trying to live it and it won't work mm -hmm. because it's so divorced from A, the purity of what it meant to begin with and yes. B, all of the other paradigmatic premises that it was related to. Yes. It's like extracting, like we do so much in food, it's extracting one ingredient from a food and going, or like we do with pharmaceuticals, oh, this, this thing. Well, you've taken it out of the whole plant, you know, and now mm -hmm. it behaves in a completely different way. Exactly. And here's and here's you're speaking to to the endemic of low CQ in our world. The lower the CQ, the more people are blind to exactly that kind of depth evolution of what they pick today as their truth, right? Yeah. And 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 the first step of that is teaching them starting in grade school or high school what conditioning is. And that's that's just nowhere out there. Uh, um, if to say to say I don't have a paradigm, for example, is to say I I don't have any. No one's conditioned me to anything, uh, and so conditioning is a, is such a, a a default way of orienting orienting consciousness that it's not. We have no meta about it. it. Just displays the low CQ of our world tragically. Even though it's innocent, it's tragic. So let's sum this up. Um, one paradigmism pilferers um, contradict their own paradigm, um, doesn't stand up to sobriety index for identity. Uh, uh, Inter-paradigmatic pilferers um, mix and match, and that creates turbulences and um, some, sometimes a lot of defensive, um, defensiveness about that, which means they're not, not secure in their, in, their, in their choices. That's not the answer either because of all the ways you just described uh, that can't be mishmashed together in a blender. So what's this? That's cursing the darkness, right? Uh, what's what's light a candle here? The solution is one paradigm, not several. One that you commit to whole heart and soul until you dead end in it. And, and a lot of times people don't know they've dead ended to it because the thought of leaving the one paradigm that they've dead-ended, if they start to get the feeling about it, usually brings on 
a whole lot of rupture with family and friends and community uh, uh, um, because you're you're marching to the beat of a different drum, right? Um, but the issue here is that that uh, one paradigmism. The problem with what we discussed is that you relate to it with as absolute truth, as all the great religions are based on dogmas that are non-negotiable, non-negotiable. Buddhism, the I doesn't exist except as an illusion. There, and no matter what dimension they 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 teach it in, there is no negotiable no negotiability to that. It is mm-hmm. unevolvable, right. and that's why these religions can't evolve. Uh, and when people when a, when a religion like Baha'i comes along uh, uh, a bunch of decades ago, uh, centuries ago, um, it attempts to be more egalitarian. Um, but again, you're going to be like Unity Church uh, uh, um, uh, in America uh-huh. is a classic paradigm uh, pilferer. They take this from that and that from this and this from this, and they wind up being sort of empty and polite with each other. And um, it's, 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 I've spoken yeah, enough. Well, well, yeah, we talked about the turbulence, um, but uh, that's another aspect of it. It creates a kind of emptiness. Um, right. Soullessness is a little bit of a strong word, but it's no, it's, but it's in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, it's it just it depletes because I think it it weakens someone the same way it weakens you when you lie. Exactly. Um, when yes. you're living a disparate set of things, you become you're living a lie because it's it's the. The Frankenstein's monster is not going to have the strength of something that is whole and organic and true to itself. Ooh, great, great relink there. That was great how you circled back to that Frankenstein. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, and it's so tricky because the, the buffeting is a paradigm right. that is an evolution from the oppressive right. monoparadigmism. right. It, right. Um, monoparadigmism, yes. Uh-huh. I think right. I think you once said like monoparadigmism is a childlike form. Like, tell me what to do. I need right. this structure. That's a childlike right. orientation. The teenage right. orientation is I'm going to pick and choose because I'm free and individual in my power, right. uh, and I, I get to do whatever. Rebel. Yes. I can be a rebel. Right. right. That, I, and that's multi-paradigmism yeah. uh, as opposed to mono. Right? Which is more mature, but real maturity um, we're offering is uh, living according to a paradigm and facing the dead end of it, if and when it dead ends, and insisting on having something uh, to live by that's as whole as you are. Oh, well said. We have to, we have to, be, we have to learn to be sequential monogamists <laughs> with our paradigms. Uh, but an important point here is um, the only way one paradigmism works is if the um, members don't hold it as absolute truth, only something to test every day for its sobriety. No absolute truth allowed. As soon as you put an absolute truth anywhere, um, you just um, d- created a drunken, reeling person, just came out of a paradigmatic bar. So um, w- w- what you've got to do here is you've got to be monogamous with your paradigm, but test it all along every time. But that requires the CT thing, you know, critical thinking. Yeah. It requires that you embrace a paradigm and have doubt about it. If you don't embrace it and equally or deeply and passionately, and then at the same level of passion and depth, 
question it every day against an evolving uh, 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 consciousness that is meant to evolve and not stagnate in all of us. So that's why it's difficult to offer this, light this candle, one paradigmism, stick with it, which is like you said earlier, I won't argue, I won't debate paradigms. I would say, well, but I, 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 I'm a Baptist uh, uh, Christian and here's why this works. And I, and I would say, stick with it. Don't, yeah. why, why are you listening to me? I'm, I'm, an, I'm a heretic. A heretic here. Uh, you don't have to listen to me. Stick with what you're what you're um, with. Is it is it working for you? That's fine. But um, please uh, let me talk about mine here. You've got yours. It's historically uh, uh, lots of words and lots of stuff information about your paradigm, but very little about identity because I'm the only one writing about it. Mm. Um, so uh, the idea here is you've got to have critical thinking. And critical thinking and spirituality are not easy bedfellows, uh, <laughs> to use an old uh, ancient term, bedfellow, right? Uh, critical thinking tends to issue and create uh, issue religionism and spirituality of all kinds and turns people into agnostics or atheists. So if you're an atheist, don't listen for well, you, you probably stopped listening a while ago, although we do have some fun intellectual exercises in these podcasts <laughs> you might enjoy. But to stick with it until it doesn't work for you anymore. One thing about a sober paradigm is it does not seek membership. It doesn't seek followers, and uh, it doesn't try to retain followers on either end of the spectrum. How many spiritual points of view um, uh, do that? At least Buddhism doesn't recruit um, uh, although in, in certain cases, there are enlightened gurus who want to retain their flock uh, uh, and, and have um, their way with them the way they want and penalize you. If you penalize when they leave, um, then you've, you show that you wanted to retain them. Yeah. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of times that happens in, sats, in, um, in certain uh, cults uh, that led by an, an, an enlightened person. Sure. So, so the idea here is uh, identity is trying to live up to all of these definitions. I don't hold it with um, absolute truth. I test it every day. I'm always looking for a contradiction. But no matter what rabbit hole we go down in these podcasts uh, that, uh, that um, Joseph has so um, beautifully articulated, uh, every rabbit hole we go down doesn't contradict this rabbit hole over here, no matter how deep we go. I've been testing it for 40 years, and I, other people have been testing it. Whereas I'm, I'm not the, maybe the smartest guy in the world, but my dedication to sobriety um, is rare for a paradigmatist, uh, a paradigm giver. There's not that many new, real new paradigms out there. What they call paradigm shifts in, out there in, in the common world is uh, really just reduxes of a different, uh, uh, they're not really new, they're still holding premises and assumptions, but just articulating them in a different way, as you've Like how before. Alcoholics Anonymous is really a, a, a remix of Christianity, which is one of the more interesting ones. Exactly. So I want, I want, I want to insert something right here, though, because you we talked a couple of times about uh, testing paradigms, and I think it's really powerful to remind people, I think pretty sure we talked about this, how that's what you're already doing, consciously or not. We're all applied philosophers testing mm -hmm. paradigms. It's right. just that most people don't realize they're doing it. 
and right. or give I, themselves permission to do it right depending on their paradigm <laughs> right but it's like when it's unconsciously done then the test is i'm gonna live my life and then i attract suffering because that suffering is almost always related to a paradigmatic flawed assumption but yes. if you don't realize that that's the case then you'll make up something well shit happens or you know um that person is bad or evil or whatever um, I just recently teaching a course right now and I gave people the subject came up and I gave people the assignment to try to document translating the suffering they've been attracting in their life, try to translate that into what unconscious question are they asking that that suffering has been an answer to. Whoa, that is beautiful, Joseph. And I wasn't sure if people would be able to do it, but I've seen some of the results and they've been able to pull it off just with that frame to wow. look at the patterns of suffering in your life and ask yourself, what are you testing out that that data is a response to? Like what happens, for example, a really common one, what happens if I um, uh, stay in a marriage where I don't really love the person mm -hmm. or uh, stay in, uh, you know, become a, I'm a woman and I wear the pants in the family just mm -hmm. because I can or, you know, these kinds of things, um, you know, which are very common. What happens if I don't actually deal with my depression and I take medication to deal with it instead? Because the, the suffering is, is the experiential answer to questions that are difficult to admit we're asking. Difficult to admit we're asking. Boy, that, that really brings forward to consciousness a really brilliant way to help people process their way to an answer. Yeah. Well, it reminds me uh, of the very common one we talk about in, a lot in the past, um, that uh, staying together in a marriage for the sake of the kids. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a, there's a paradigm. There's a question that they're living that into. Only teaches kids that love is not part of a marriage. I mean, that, that's, and that's the solution to, to keep them, uh, show them that because they can sense mom and dad just hate each other on some level. Kids get yeah. this without any words. They feel it. Yeah. So exactly that, that example, uh, uh, we get so entrained, uh, we don't ask this, this very provocative kind of question that you just articulated. What, what's, the, what's the suffering? What's, the, what's it trying to solve? What's the issue there that's trying to solve it? That's a beautiful way to get them processable uh, 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 to, their, to what's really going on that, their, that the outer configuration is just a symbol of. Uh, yeah. So that's really beautiful. Did that just come to you one day? Uh, you know, I was, it, it was in the middle of the course. I don't remember how I got into it, but it was talking about, um, I don't know, it just sort of showed up. I, I, it was not my plan at all to end up there. And I didn't know if it would work for people because I didn't know if, you know, how much prerequisite inner work has to be done sure. yeah, for yeah. that to actually work. But some of the people um, were able just to come up with that. some really compelling answers. It's just a reframe. What if my suffering is an answer to a question that I've been unconsciously asking? What would the question, sort of like Jeopardy. Well, <laughs> you know, I get it. Here's I the answer. Yeah. <laughs> What's the question you're asking that that's an answer to? Wow. That. Phew. Wow. Okay. So let's sum up. Um, we're just about complete here. I think uh, um, one paradigmism held with absolute truth isn't the answer. Uh, mono paradigmism. Uh, 
Uh, multi-paradivism is not the answer because you pick and choose cherry, cherry pick elements that do not create soul resonance, only soul dissonance. But it is and often that, a necessary following step, following monoparadism. You've got to, in a meta-meta, you've got to evolve from monoparadivism with absolute truth to multi-paradivism with relative truth. That's mm -hmm. a step forward. But most people think that that's the final outcome. You've got to graduate to the third version, which is monoparadigmism, but without absolute truth, which includes, by inference, critical thinking applied to every moment that you're embracing that paradigm. Um, and, and so, it, it makes me think we're all, we're already seeing some of the, the limits of that sort of uh, diversity training kind of paradigm of like um, people getting fired for you know, not calling the student the right pronoun and like where, you know, because the left has been the champion of like, um, you know, everyone, everything, everything has truth in it. And it's like, okay, well, that's great as the pendulum moves away from sort of the Catholic oppressive objectivistic rule of everything. And this is how it is. And we've been moving further towards subjectivity. And now we're yeah. beginning to see the mess that it creates. Um, Good point. Good where point. there's a kind of spinelessness and confusion, and what the NCAA uh, swimmer, what's her name, uh, Leah Thomas. Oh yes, right. Mm -hmm. th there's an example of like, okay, yes, you get to identify as whatever gender you want, and after a year of homo th uh, hormone therapy, you get to win an event, even though you yeah. went through male puberty, and. Yeah these kinds of things are happening where it's like, whoa, wait a minute, that's a right. kind of multi-paradigmatic idea. Yes, a good point, really good example. I'll give another one, a personal one of mine. Uh, uh, when I was younger and um, stupider, uh, I wor actually worked in a um, special needs um, high school uh, for a little while and helping emotionally challenged kids um, who've had some minor you know, scrapes with the law, some drug offenses. Uh, they couldn't fit in to uh, normal high school milieus. And so there was this private school, very expensive, that uh, catered to kids that never fit in. A lot, a good share of them, it was back in the 80s. And so uh, and going into the 90s, and it wasn't really clear to the world uh, about autism and the spectrum um, of, uh, of um, uh, that, that autistic tendencies lie and I would say half the kids there were had some were some on the uh, the Asperger syndrome spectrum somewhere mm -hmm. um, at any rate um, talk about paradigmism the paradigm that governed that school I, I really resonated with it it was a gut we don't try to solve the kids problems we try to get them to feel what they feel and see what comes out of that I was astounded uh, wow. that was the mission they didn't do a good job of actually doing that every day. They had to do a lot of enforcing of boundaries and things because yeah. uh, these kids didn't have boundaries. But <laughs> it would require an enormous amount of maturity to actually be able to embody that. Yeah, they, which I mean, I, I, I was attracted to it and then saw firsthand how it was actually they were failing at it. Yeah. But at any point, at one point, um, I was so frustrated with um, what I couldn't, couldn't do. I couldn't, I, I had my own caseload um, uh, with the students and I also taught math and poetry at the same time. You I didn't uh, know that part of the story. You were teaching yeah, math. Yeah, I taught math and poetry, right? Um, I thought that was fun. Uh, but but the point is here is I, <laughs> one, one kid who was, I really, my heart went out to, um, was suffering so much and nobody could connect with this kid. So he could connect with me and 
I he asked, I, I said, well, you know, there is something, but you got it. This got it has to be between you and me. Um, here, here's a past life of yours that has contributed almost 85, 90% to what you're describing as your suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe sit with that and we can talk about it a little more. And this, it, it, I saw the top of the, the, this kid's head blow off and his heart open in one moment, just with, with the, I, I, the read was less than 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, you know, maybe I guess what happens next he went and told everybody else. And all of a sudden I had 10 kids surrounding me uh, wanting past life reads. Uh-huh. And so I, I said, wait, this isn't kosher, you know, um, da, da, da. But the kids' hearts were so hungry. Mm-hmm. I did a few. I did just one time that, you know, this fifth, I, I did a few. And then it only took about a day and a day and a half, got called into the uh, office and says, uh, you just, um, paraphrasing, you just um, uh, abrogated the paradigm of the school um, with that element, and you ha- we have to let you go. Uh, everybody loves you, but you got we got to let you go. So I got fired that day. Um, it's weird that they wouldn't have at least given you just a warning because it didn't no. cause anything negative. So um, well, it, from their point of view, how it was articulated to me. And, I have trouble with uh, memories from 30, 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. But um, what I remember is that it undermines the local focus on their problems that they have to learn to manage. And if you give them that kind of information, it floats them off their grounded focus. Uh, and, I, and I couldn't argue with that, except I said, occasionally there might be an and between those two that one doesn't negate the other, that one, it could help the focus. Well, it fell on deaf ears. And, um, and so, so there's a good case personally of paradigmatic. I, uh, I, I disrupted the paradigm and I paid for it. Uh, it was time for me to go anyway, but um, I still, there's still a student there that, that I, that I did this with that um, is still, we're still talking uh, all these years later. Um, yeah, I once saw a, uh, on Facebook or somewhere, a pie chart that um, the titled what philosophers do at parties and there were two tiny little wedges for eating and drinking, and then the other ninety-eight percent was challenging people's value systems. <laughs> oh, there's and there's oh God. beautiful. Because this is well, not unique to you and I. Anybody no, who studied no, no. philosophy in any deep way, you just can't help but see it in people, yeah, and for it's, sure. and people don't like it. Um, well, and and that leads segues us right to our conclusion here mm-hmm. um, that in the end, real change only happens when when we change our value systems you can't be a cutter uh, uh, and recover if you're supported in being a cutter and not invited to go why you're cutting yeah. uh, for example so you've got to change your value away from the value of the cutting or the heroin or the polyamory or whatever it is that we're addicted to um, doing You've got to detox from the value system that allowed you to live with that addiction. It's not about stopping the addiction. That'll automatically happen if you learn how to detox from the paradigm that told you the addiction was the solution. Yeah, That's a really important point. And that's a value system change. So you might be able to change... um, your life by thinking differently and uh, reading the secret, you know, just you'll manifest it if you just uh, think about it and will it long enough. 
you might be shuffling your elements of your life around on the same board and that might uh, play board and that may feel refreshing and gives new oxygen to your life, but it all stays on the same board. Evolution of consciousness requires, requires us to change our value systems. And though that, that line, changing our value systems, draws a line, a very th- scary line between um, uh, uh, psychology, which doesn't challenge value systems, giving the, the client uh, the ability to change their own world. You don't, they don't try to change it. And cultism. What's, the, what's not, um, no, not trying to change value systems and people to help them grow? And what's cultism? There's something yeah. in the middle. And that's what identity tries to navigate is non-cultic um, uh, uh, adhere, uh, 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 slavery to absolutism. Uh, at the same time, we question every value a person holds if they want to evolve. CQ yeah. only changes in changing our value systems. IQ can increase uh, if you stay on the same, if you just keep studying different domains. But evolution of consciousness won't happen unless our value system is challenged. And related to what we were saying before, um, one of the things I sometimes see is like, and there's not a week that goes by where I don't get frustrated and heartfully outraged about this, is that people are unconsciously typically asking the question, how do I get different results without having to change myself or my values? (laughs) <laughs> and that's the unconscious question. There's this a priori, yeah. well, I'm obviously fine as I am, and my values are obviously fine as they are, so how do I get a different outcome here? And the answer yeah. is, you don't. <laughs> you and don't. Because that very frame is a strategy to make sure nothing changes. That's why people think that way, because there's a larger unconscious part that is asking the question, how do I pull the string so that nothing actually changes here? and keep the self that isn't working and keep the value system that isn't coherent exactly the same while having good intentions and seeming to be trying hard to make things better. And that's the state of our world. That's beautifully descriptive of the dead-endedness, right? It's like what you said earlier. um, If they want to change something, but want to don't change change me, um, they're suffering. Why are they suffering? Because of a value system that they're holding on to that, that is, is, is in sober, unsober in some way. Mm-hmm. So to think that we could ever evolve consciousness without changing our value systems, it's, well, to put it deeply metaphysical, it's just nuts. It's you nuts. Can dig, you can <laughs> dig a hole without a shovel you can, with your bare hands and, and like that's, that will do something, and that's part of the seduction of it is you'll get a little bit further, a little bit further. And it's sort of like, uh, I think of um, in, in meditation sometimes where uh, about the idea of meditation clearing your thoughts. You can clear your mind. You can have no thoughts for five seconds or maybe even a minute. And then the mind's sure. like, well, if I just try a little harder, maybe it'll be two minutes and then five <laughs> minutes and then 10 minutes. No, it's not about clearing your mind. It never was. Never was. It's a bit, oh, but God. when people are mildly successful with staying the same values and getting some change to happen, they think, oh, well, if I just will a little harder, maybe yeah. it will work. But it actually is dead ending. Oh, and you know what? That dead endedness, well said, so well said. It's based on the fact that we're willing to settle for crumbs. Yeah. 
not a full meal of consciousness. Yeah. Oh, look, oh, that worked a little. Oh, okay, I got a, I got a, a bit of bread, you know. Um, this mentality all stems from coming from lack, yeah. not from fullness. Yeah. To, to embrace I want fullness requires a different value system. Yeah, I think of this very often as like, um, you know, in, in business, a sales cycle is how, at the beginning of when the person becomes a lead to when the sale closes. That's the sales oh, sure. cycle. And big right. purchases can be, you know, years and small purchases can be seconds. And I think of like, I want to ask people, what is their sales cycle expectation for change? For fulfillment <laughs> like did they think that the fulfillment they're looking for like someone who begins meditation do you have an unconscious idea that enlightenment takes 30 years mm -hmm. and how does that influence how you go about it if right. if your expectation is two years of really hard work right and that's what i see in people like they have this unconscious set of like yeah well if i just keep at it I'm like well when mm -hmm. do you think what is your picture of when yes. you're gonna have right. the mate right. of your dreams the relationship of your dreams the job that you love and if you really tw turn the screw on them, like they'll reveal they have the picture of like 10, 15, 20 years when it's often very possible in like five or less. Five or less, yes. And that's that fulfillment, uh, healthy greed factor. I don't know what we call it. <laughs> nice. Very well said. So this leads us last to the last point we're done for this podcast is um, yeah. what I just said about finding the, the midline between um, and not disturbing our value system and cultism. We'll talk uh, in the next podcast about cultism and uh, what what identity's version uh, definition of cultism is, where it comes from, and my own experience of catching the the disease of guru itis and creating um, uh, a cultic kind of dynamic with people that I work with for almost 10 years uh, and sometimes longer. And so we're going to talk about that in my own experience and, and uh, offer up uh, what I got out of that and why I actually may have uh, some antibodies <laughs> uh, to that uh, because of what I had to go through uh, upon the collapse of my teaching authority. So we're going to talk about that in the next podcast uh, and that'll bridge the gap, bridge the, uh, the issue of cultism also. And fortunately, so, I'll be there too, so I can talk about the follower of the cultic dynamic side of things uh, to, to round yes. that picture out, because I learned a lot right. from that experience as well. So and that's um, the key to to learn. Uh, what is the, what what does that wonderful writer say? Uh, fail, fail again, fail better. Fail better. Um, yeah. We fail. Our, that's it's like saying dead ending. Mm -hmm. Keep failing. Um, even Warren Buffett. Uh, uh, espouses some element of this uh, uh, younger soul that he is. Um, fail, fail better, or fail again, fail better. Um, eventually, it wakes you up, your failures, and you have nowhere else to look except in the mirror for what, why you started with some unconscious assumption and wound up with a collapse. Uh, it's like um, the law of karma is not repay in kind for identity the law of karma is as you unconsciously sow so shall you consciously reap yeah uh, that's that question and answer thing absolutely mm -hmm. so that's how we'll we'll frame um uh, what i unconsciously sowed that i wound up consciously reaping and and um 
did something about it. So that's it's important to, if you've got uh, interested in what we've been talking about, Joseph and I, um, I want to do some self-revealing here. It'll be much more personal next time about my own journey and what, how it got, it got me to this place where we can actually have this kind of conversation. Yeah, so. I look forward to it. All right. Thank you, Stace, and thank you listeners for listening. And I hope you'll join us next time. I bet. Thanks again, Joseph. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.